I think it's more about going back to Simon Sinek about your why and why mm. you do what you do and, and then having people drawn to you as a beacon around that. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out Be Original with Isley Creative, where we take a behind the scenes look at the world of effective marketing. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Be Original podcast. My name is OJ. And I'm Christian. And today we are joined by a very special friend. I'm going to read his little thing here I wrote. <laughs> He's the managing partner and chief creative officer at Manifesto Agency. He's a husband and a father of three boys uh, from their very own manifesto. I love this. When you give a damn, you'll inspire others to do the same. Mm. And we love that. That's so good. please welcome to the Be Original podcast, our very special friend, Tim Dyer. Tim, Welcome. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. I'm sandwiched <laughs> between you guys. It's awesome. <laughs> Best place I, to be. I've been practicing for weeks. So I had to sit, <laughs> I sit love between it. you guys. I love it. Well, Tim, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this with us. We've, yeah. I feel like we've talked about this for a long time. We've done some work together yeah. professionally, so um, that's been fun. We, I feel like we've had uh, several people on here, and it's interesting to see how we connect with our par partners like Manifesto. And I feel like the reason we connect with people like Manifesto and other of our partners is because we have a very similar outlook on the human connection to things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of refreshing. That's why we've continued to work with each yeah. other over the years and have done some really cool projects together. And um, yeah, so I'm excited. So why don't you tell everybody like, how you got to where you're at today, where it all started. Yeah. And uh, we'll start there. Cool. I mean, and even along the lines of like be original, right? I mean, I'm 100% original. <laughs> There's nobody in the world that looks like me, who acts like me, talks like That's me. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. <laughs> right. Um, it begins It begins with, uh, no, my, my twin brother and I um, separated at birth by six and a half minutes. <laughs> Same, yeah. And uh, but, but the truth is that, that has been a, a huge part of our origin story of just uh, of uh, growing up together and, and ended up kind of going to different universities or different colleges and kind of getting different experiences as a whole, but mm -hmm. being shaped very similarly, right? With, mm -hmm. we thought, hey, someday maybe we'll have like a, an evening show together, like, you know, like Johnny Carson times two. Yeah. That's not popular. Yeah. Don't, people don't do that. Um, the double <laughs> twins were taken by the time we grew up. Yeah. So, um, so we had to chart our own paths, but we, we, at some point we actually found each other. We were pitching against each other in like new business type, Oh, things wow. for agencies and um i remember even calling him at one point being like dude i have this new gig like can you help me because you've been working this and i haven't so we yeah. helped each other along the way but but eventually kind of forged a, a company together so back to the idea of the the being original i'm not original i'm only like left twix of we had left and right twix <laughs> broke apart came back together i love that yeah that's good so <clears throat> you and your brother started manifesto agency talk a little bit about I love your mission statement. Yeah. I mean, obviously that, I mean that that is right up your alley. That's exactly what you guys do, and the the rally cries mm -hmm. and the manifestos for companies. And um, talk to us a little bit about manifesto. What was the purpose of it? Why why are you guys? Why did you and your brother join mm -hmm. together and and do this adventure? Yeah, yeah. Well, both of us had been. Um, so both of us have been in this world of advertising and marketing in different ways. He was in kind of path to purchase retail, working on kind of expanding Apple's global footprints, particularly in South America and, and uh, China. Um, and for me, I was working in experiential marketing and had worked you know, as a creative director on, on tons and tons of different brands, 
Uh, but ultimately, I got called to join this group called Summit Series or Summit, and it was kind of a um, a group of you know community for Gen Y kind of millennials who are the doers and dreamers of Gen Y who were pioneering you know for the planet. And it was a huge opportunity for me. Um, just to kind of be exposed to what's happening in culture and mm. business and philanthropy and totally drank from the fire hose. Uh, we put on the first ever summit at sea and took a thousand entrepreneurs on a, on a boat to, um, to talk about the world's oceans and the impact on the world's oceans. Of course, we had to set, offset our carbon footprint because a cruise is a big, you know, is yeah. a good carbon <laughs> footprint. Um, and also, so and a lot of things manifested from that, but that experience working on the summit team as a calling into entrepreneurship um, also uh, brought Dave into the community a bit, and we caught incredible. Uh, we we caught this sort of fever pitch. This uh, had big eye, uh, eyes for mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial scene, and certainly saw the impact, particularly at the at the world where, like, we knew that consumers, and not just consumers, people, humans, like, they want to know more about the brands uh, that they're engaged with, and they actually want to be, <clears throat> they want to do business with with brands that like care and mm -hmm. and, and have mm -hmm. purpose and meaning, and so. We saw it as more of like the time was right to launch an agency at this intersection of cause, commerce, and innovation that really began to, to look at the heart and soul of brand and what it means yeah. and how to rally humans around that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of the origins. And, and um, yeah, we started in a coffee shop, no clients, no money, mm -hmm. two different <laughs> places at the same time. And Sounds about that's right. Awesome. Yeah. So <clears throat> can you maybe define the word manifesto? Like, what what does that actually mean when you're when you're in a when you're in a client meeting and you're pitching like what is what does that actually mean to uh, big brands yeah yeah according to webster's dictionary i'm just kidding <laughs> actually no, no um i can tell you more about the impetus and the idea and the cultural sure. uh, cachet surrounding it but you know as a name we chose it for intention with this idea of, of saying the ratification of beliefs the expression of these beliefs that you hold dear the public declaration of those those beliefs mm -hmm. to enact change, huh. um, and and to kind of and and to 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 rally people together. So ultimately, like we look, and if you look back in history, you'll find it like by insurgents and dictators, but also people who are forming rebellions and revolutions. And and uh, so the name I think has divisiveness to it. It also has a lot of positivity, but it, it, at it's one of those things that you can either, you, you cannot ignore. You can either like, it's warm or it's cold, but you can't, yeah. you can't ignore that name. Yeah. And, and the idea, I think, and maybe the definition as it relates to brands um, is really about taking them and declaring their beliefs to the world, finding a way to, to turn that into anthemic content or into campaigns, but ultimately kind of like an inside out approach to branding. And instead of just saying, we'll say this, I, I think of the antithesis, if that helps to define it too, is, you guys have seen the Christmas story, little mm -hmm. Ralphie. Yeah, that that wonderful yeah. moment where he's like, gets his decoder ring, whatever, and he's yeah. like, yeah. and, it, and at the end of the day, it says, "Drink more Ovaltine." Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> his face, he's disappointed. He's like, dashed all of his hopes. Yeah, it's it's it's. We never wanted to create a brand uh, or an agency, I should say, that just focused on like slinging and selling stuff. We know that's the way the world works, but it was more about the idea of like. Why do I want to do business with with a brand? Like, what's their heart and soul? Yeah. How can I get behind it? Mm -hmm. And so the manifesto is that mechanism. Um, so I know that was a deviation from like, hey, what does that mean? No, no. I, but but I think it, it for first blush, this idea of belief led inside out kind of yeah. brand storytelling. Well, it's interesting because we just had a we just did another interview and we talked 
specifically about this hmm. because it, it is it mar, you know marketing has transitioned i feel like even more so i still feel like there's a lot of brands that aren't doing it but i think there's a lot of brands that are doing it and doing it very well in a sense of like building that community like mm -hmm. around the uh there's you know when we had this last interview their specific um uh, example was products. Like if you're, if you're putting out a product, building a community and a lifestyle around yeah. that product. And, and it's not just about the selling aspect of it. It's actually about, you know, it, the experience. What mm. are you experiencing in this, like in this community that ultimately drives sales mm -hmm. that drives the needle yep. for the back end department to be happy about, about what you're doing. But I there's so much value in that. The bottom line is, is I think as consumers, we're growing to understand that we want a personal touch behind the brand. We yeah. want to be able to mm -hmm. know who we're talking to, what the product is, why we, you know, what purpose does it hold in my life? Mm -hmm. And it could be anything from a camera to an iPad. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to know how it impacts our lives and yeah. how it impacts other people's lives and what is it the change that it's happening behind mm -hmm. it. So it's, I love, I love the idea of that manifesto because that really is ultimately what it boils down to. Yeah. Right? It, it narrows everything down. I mean, you think about, um, you know, put two shoe companies next to each other. They're not meant for the same demographic. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think when you have a sort of manifesto that drives the business, it creates a culture. And that culture is your demographic at that point. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's easier because then, then, then you create more brand loyalty. You create just like OJ said, a community that attaches itself with that mm -hmm. brand in a sense. Like, you know, you look at, I keep thinking of shoes because it's, it's become a culture. You know, the totally. shoes have become a culture, right? Yeah. And you have like Yeezys and things like that that people are buying and selling for crazy dollar amounts because they're limited runs. But it's created that culture of it, right? Because they have a look, a belief system, a style, a lifestyle mm -hmm. that, that has resonated with a specific demographic. And I think it's, it's really cool because if you don't have that manif mm -hmm. manifesto, what are you doing? Right. You're kind of flapping in the wind trying to get everybody. Yeah, you know, like it just yeah, casts yeah, a huge yeah. net. That's a really good question, though, because even in our pre-interview time together, you you mentioned like there are brands that are doing it really well, but there's a lot of brands that aren't doing it. So mm -hmm. what what is it? Why do you think that? Why do you think that is? Why do you mm -hmm. think brands don't take the time to do this part? Yeah. Is it hard? Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's part of it actually is about the idea, because it's one thing to write a manifesto or say we're going to actually have this this written document that guides us because that's where a lot of the work for, for some brands that's where it ends sure. or the idea of saying we've we've written out our values or um, um, uh, and and we've left it on the table and it just doesn't go any further than a PowerPoint document or something <laughs> right. like that mm -hmm. so I think turning something into an anthem is part of it not just making it a a flash in the pan because I think if you guys remember even Super Bowl not this year but the previous year I think um, Jeep did an interesting spot and they, they kind of said, here's your manifesto. It was, they were, they were kind of snubbing their nose at the idea of a manifesto by just showing what this vehicle could do and like climbing up waterfalls and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. It was their way of almost like 
you know, bucking their head against against maybe uh, an advertising world moving towards saying we have to have a written manifesto that declares this, and then we have to create this beautiful spot where a guy's deep voice, you know, is yeah. delivering that. Yeah. Um, and yet, there's value there because it, it it's an artifact that serves as a way to kind of like catalyze people. But I do think when you said about who's doing it well and who's not doing it well, I think part of it is leaving those things or creating the disconnect between CEOs and and um, you know. Uh, uh, Chief operation officers um, and, and CMOs and and the, the the people behind it. So we've actually found this huge gap that kind of bridges that in this world of employer brand. The idea of basically creating a brand that's driven by beliefs and values that actually is an inside-out approach to who you are, and it's consistent and true. So when somebody sits there buying like a you know Kimberly Clark Kleenex, like they know that the the brand they're actually buying on the outside the characters, whatever, whatever the storyline is, that it actually is influenced by a belief system on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've certainly encountered many brands over time that, that were extremely inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe one that was really consistent was Red Bull. Like, you go to their offices, people are literally skateboarding above your head and around. Sure. Like, yeah. they can exist to actually serve the function of, uh, of Red Bull giving you wings or, or this idea yeah, of, yeah, of, yeah. of, like, the lifestyle yeah. side of it versus the other way around. Um, so... I've certainly been in offices where they had an incredible brand. They they maybe even produced things that said they had belief systems when it came to the outside world. But like you get lost in their offices, sure, and and, and they're boring people who want to, you know, who are ready to like jump out a window because they're like, I can't I can't live in this culture. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> you brought up a good example with Red Bull, but maybe I don't mean to put you on the spot either. But what's a what's another really good example of somebody that's really doing it really well? And how have they executed on it? Yeah. Yep. Like how do, from an outside perspective, how, when we look at a brand, how can we tell what, you know, whether or not they're doing a good job of that? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I think one recent one that, that just hit culture was Cadillac. And um, I don't know, I don't know what your guys' personal relationship with Cadillac is as far as perception goes, but I think many people thought of it as kind of an untouchable brand or one that's not for them, mm. um, maybe even their parents' brands uh, at times. Mm-hmm. And Cadillac has done a really interesting thing because they, they, they sort of penned a manifesto, but then they turned it into an anthemic content. Um, they, they engaged a celebrity you know, voice to help share that. It's a really... They, they actually shifted the positioning of the of the organization, looking at a brand new audience that's more around aspiration and ambition, and the mm-hmm. idea of saying, "Hey, like we're working hard for something, mm-hmm. actually yeah. something I want to be part of and I want to be yeah. proud of." And so, um, I look at Cadillac and say, "I mean, it's fresh, really off the press in the last couple of weeks. Like, incredible example of an organization that decided to leverage the idea of a manifesto as a shift uh, to to signal change within their organization and mm-hmm. to their their key stakeholders and." And, and clients and future um, customers as well, or future consumers, and basically saying, hey, it's, it's okay. And actually, we invite those people in who are striving for something more mm-hmm. um, um, to, to join us. And so, versus being like elitist, like there are other, um, other brands that I've seen had communication at one point, and they talked about the exclusivity and the inaccessibility of, of the brand. Of saying yeah. like, um, you know, talking about having arrived and the idea that few will do it, and. Um, where, whereas Cadillac is inviting people into the fold and saying, you may not, we may not be like your brand today, but we will be for tomorrow. And we want to commend the people who are like working with a little bit of heart, heart and hustle to kind of get there. So it's the, yeah. it's, <laughs> you're going to love this. It's the fire festival versus Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Like, oh man. Like that's like, that's a great, that's yeah. like the alternative, yes. right? Like yeah. fire festival is yeah. exactly what you talked about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously 
you know, Netflix and everybody else yes. jumped in on it. But yeah. I mean, that, that was it. Like at, there was a time where, and I still think, I still think we're part, we're still in it where it's like this unattainable, like influencer, like lives up here. These big brands live up here. Like the only way to get there is through this channel. Like you have to be a part of this. If you're yeah. going to be the next best thing, mm-hmm. like all the big names, all the big brands are part of it. You have to be too type mm-hmm. thing. And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't really care that much about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Me yeah. personally, but yeah. well, I, I th- yeah, yeah. I think it's the, the accessibility. People are actually caring less. They're not holding these brands in such high regard like mm-hmm. they always were. And and I think Cadillac is recognizing that. Mm-hmm. Ten years down the road, Cadillac's not Cadillac anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Or Mercedes isn't Mercedes, or or whatever. Yeah. You know, and and there's obviously a lot of industry related reasons for that but also just culture Mm -hmm. and i think you know like you brought up the the jeep um ad and things like that where it's it's, no matter how hard you try to push away from it or whether you have it written down or not every company has a culture Mm -hmm. whether it's chaotic and multiple things going in multiple directions or it's streamlined and clear Mm -hmm. and the ones that i think are chaotic are the ones that are having trouble Um, and they're, you know, maybe riding off of an old spike in their sales or, you know, impression on people, but social media has made everything visible and accessible. And people are like, I'm just not, I'm not up with that, you know, that type of mentality anymore. Like you can't just, I mean, we talked, we talked about it on another episode with a photographer who's a Canon photographer and Canon hasn't really done anything for people that are buying their product Mm. they've always been like here's a new camera this Mm -hmm. is what you get where you know sony has been creating communities Mm -hmm. and getting engaged because they recognize that they can't just throw stuff out and people are going to buy it you know so it's been really interesting you know and we're going through that too i mean we every couple of years we kind of refocus and figure out where we're at and who we are has it changed you Mm -hmm. know like what is what's you know what's our mission going forward what things have been different in adding employees and things like that the the dynamic changes especially as a small Mm -hmm. company you know it's like every time we add somebody our culture changes Mm -hmm. and we have to figure out how that fits being a small company when you're bigger it's kind of this is the culture we have and do you fit or not Mm -hmm. um but it's paying attention to that and recognizing that you can't get away from it you know Mm -hmm. your culture can be I don't believe in that. (laughs) I don't believe in those manifestos, (laughs) but it's still there. Like it's there whether you want to believe in it or not. Yes. Well, I think it's true. I think it's a mixture of that. And I think it's, I think the, the, our culture has shifted a lot too in that sense. Cause it's, uh, you know, you look at brands like, um, like Hello Bello. Have you ever heard of Hello Bello? I'm behind on this one. So Hello Bello is like a brand. They're a new um, baby product company, mm-hmm. but their their whole thing is the natural, like mm-hmm. th- that that type of approach, right? But they've done such a great job at like making sure that they're all inclusive and they, you know, they they're every aspect of it is community based. Mm-hmm. Like everything about yeah. them is community based. Mm-hmm. One uh, one of the questions I was going to ask yeah. you too is. Do you think that brand like brands are starting to realize that they have to re like mm-hmm. I feel like Cadillac got to that point yeah. because they realized that they have to transition. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's how most companies are going to come to that realization? Yeah. Now going forward. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, uh, as just example of this, so it was 2017, um, and it was a very high-level marketer at Facebook who flashed a slide in front of uh, you know about a thousand uh, advertising professionals gathered together, and and the slide, what it really contained, the essence was how many organizations were being toppled by young competitors. So think of like the purple mm-hmm. mattress, the Caspers of the world, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, outpacing some of the big guys who've been around for 25, 30, 40 years, yeah. even 100 years, right? Um, and basically saying this is happening at a breakneck pace and actually it's possible that even the tenure and the length of companies is, is dropping. We're seeing mm-hmm. successful companies scale globally in less than 10 years. Like that's yeah. that's unheard of, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the Ubers of the world, like those <clears throat> crazy organizations that literally have suddenly, they're everywhere, mm-hmm. crazy growth. Um, but I think, you know, to that to that point about like watching, you know, culture change and shift in these companies finding their need. Victoria's Secret is another um, I didn't find myself I shocked them. I'm finding myself mentioning, but they've been in the news lately because they're an organization who's had to shrink back more and more because they kind of lost what their heart and soul was. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, and, and, and they were they're in a place where a lot of other organizations are rising up who, who are addressing, frankly, a, a much wider need set and saying, hey. Um, women come in every shape and size and, and yeah. you are beautiful and things things that um, really don't just address this sort of this this iconic um, uh, ivory tower of an idea but rather saying hey like we know culture's moving in a way and these other brands have met to uh, have kind of come and met people where they're at yeah. Um, yeah. and you know direct to consumer brands things like that is, an, is a great example so I mean that's one I think that was like retail giant that's suddenly shift, shifting gears and trying to find their own voice mm. and their place and, and where they belong or fit in culture or if they don't. And it's it's companies like, y- you brought up a perfect example, Victoria's Secret and companies like, um, there's a entrepreneur, a woman, I, I think she's from Michigan, I could be wrong, but she owns an organization called She Fit, which mm-hmm. is gro- uh, which is yep. blown up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that whole thing, it's that yep. all-inclusive, like we mm-hmm. make products for everyone and mm-hmm. it's not just for this woman. Yes. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. and I think, I think society is driving a lot of that mm-hmm. because I think we are all sick of looking at it like mm-hmm. that, you know, like as consumers, maybe not. I don't know. Well, it's getting, it's getting down to the details where mm-hmm. before it was just like, you know, a, uh, a piece of clothing was a piece of clothing period. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is a cool design. If you know, a cooler fit, whatever it was. And then you had different sizes. That was it. Sure. Now they're having to get into the weeds and say, okay, there are different people that are shaped different ways and whatever it is, different heights and all this. And they're having to get more detailed and pay more attention to their customer base. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's creating an authenticity. Mm -hmm. I don't know that big brands have ever been like, this is what it needs to be. And Mm -hmm. everybody needs to look like this and act like this and do this. Mm -hmm. I think is more of a perspective of this is the product that we have. And now the products that they have have to get more detailed. There needs to be more options. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, and, and it comes from within, like what is brands have never had to think so in depth about what drives them, you know, it's like, well, I just made a cool t-shirt and then turned into this global company, you know, but now it's, they have to think about why, why did I make a cool t-shirt? What am I making it for? You know, and that drives growth at that point. And it connects with people on that level that we need to be connected with. Yeah. You know, and I think people now are looking for that connection out of brands more because we actually have lost connection with each other a lot. So a lot of it comes into we're on, we're in social media so much that brands are people to us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just another account. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and we're trying to we see it all the same way and it levels the playing field rather mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. you have your small communities in person and your friends and your relationships and then a brand is something that you go and buy at a brick and mortar store yeah. you know it's a totally different dynamic on on that front and um i was listening to some research that was presented by some students at university of missouri um at columbia from a, a they're presenting what they call yaya research so this is like 18 to 24 year olds and what they believe but um, there was a, they were making a convincing argument that basically that um, young people are actually feel kind of lied to in culture. And, and so there's a belief that brands, it's sort of like the age of brands is upon us where, where brands can be friends and allies and actually will be truth tellers. Mm-hmm. And I think that too is an underlying current to say that in this age of a brand, especially when we look at the way like social media is being used, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think of, I mean, I think of like Popeyes. I know Wendy's actually had a, like they were poking at Burger King the yeah, other day. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're they're actually behaving like humans in some yes. sense and getting more yeah. licensed to do so, which yep. is kind of cool. Again, yeah, not I, getting I think, sued for it, right? Yeah. Exactly. And we know and, and and but they have to be <laughs> agile because they have to respond in real time. Yeah. Sure. You know, Meat Sweats is a great example of like something yeah. that kind of like you know went as as we were all working on that together that went, kind of went viral overnight. Um, but I think these brands are discovering their agility, their ability to relate to people. The human side of it yeah. is essential. And of course, at some point too, like we have to ask ourselves a question as you frame those things up, what we hope that manifesto doesn't become, it doesn't become a license to not have fun or express your personality. Right. Like it, it can't uh, all be business. It has to be this, this ability to say like, we're about creativity or we're about, you know, um, yeah. there was a, there was a crazy, um, I could just go on and on, but there was an interesting company I encountered just the other day that offers up a design assistant to people. Mm. It's probably threatening agencies, yeah. but uh, they offer up a design assistant for $12,000 a year, I think. And wow. it's like, yep, yeah, you can yeah. have your design assistant sort of work remotely, like endless rounds of revisions. And, but they, what, <laughs> what I loved about it was this new co- company, they were totally mission driven. They're like, yeah. we want to have a mission. Basically our goal is basically to kind of like is, is provide and be the, the best sort of support of creativity in, in the world. Something along those lines. Yeah. It's yeah. really inspiring. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's important because you recognize problems and that, I mean, that's every business on some level is solving a problem that we have regularly, yeah. right? Yeah. And that, and we've had to pivot a lot based on that too, as a, you know, starting as an audio company, turning into a video company and then adding social media into the mix and then saying, okay, is this right? Is this right? Should we be doing this? How are we best serving our clients and are we solving problems well? You know, and it's changed everything. Like my perspective on you know, video production from when we first met, it was a very different ball game. Mm -hmm. And that was not even 10 years ago. And you guys still did great work (laughs) and today. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, with, uh, back in in that time, it was, you know, budgets were much higher. Mm -hmm. Video projects were much more frequent at those high budgets, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was pretty exclusive still, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, you didn't have to pump out content as regularly. Right. And then we're, you know, in the last couple of years, we've recognized, okay, you need to put a lot of content out. And the reality of any company spending the amount of money on 10 videos that they would on would have on one or two a year is, it's just not realistic, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how we've, we've pivoted and come and said, well, the whole point is to provide solutions, not to just get rich off a couple videos a year, you yeah. know what I mean? Yes. Or a couple commercials or whatever. And I think it's the same mentality brands are, are starting to understand is, okay, you know, this might not be attainable. We're not solving the problem. We're just an exclusive brand now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's just a big shift that's happening is is we're recognizing, the again, the human element of it 
that people aren't going to spend money on something that's not solving a problem in their life. Absolutely. You know? I think, so. <clears throat> too, to go along with that, I think th- that even in the conversations in the rooms that we're meeting in with these brands and these our potential clients, um, I think even in those meetings, the dialogue has shifted because I think we've... I, I, it, even up until this this year, I still think that there's a lot of people that the ROI is still uh, uh, the biggest topic of conversation when it comes to whether it's content or whatever, any any type of asset that they're going to be putting out to their potential customers or to their customer base. Um, it, it, it was solely around ROI. I still think it, it is a big part of it, but I think more and more we're realizing that there's not necessarily a financial ROI as much as there is a personal ROI because mm-hmm. you're investing now in your community mm-hmm. and there's not always going to be a direct result of a sale mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you're building what, you know, uh, Paul said, you're, we're building community mm-hmm. um, first mm-hmm. and that in turn then translates to dollars because we're building a faithful community. Yeah. So I think that's what that's what's caused us to pivot. Yeah. To a point where we're saying, okay, like, yeah, we can do these staple, you know, these tentpole, really awesome commercials that we're gonna put up and we're gonna put money behind. But really, what it boils down to is we need to get out in front of your clients every day. You know, mm. twice a day. You know, it needs to be this kind of content. We need to, you know, we need to gear it around product releases or white paper releases or whatever it is that we're doing. Um, and I think that's that's what's driving a lot of business. But I also think that it's still in its infant infancy. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't think brands are quite realizing the value there. Yeah. yeah they're not used to the how fast the things shift. You know, nobody's right. used to it. It's. <laughs> It's faster than we can handle, really. It really, mm-hmm. but it really is. <laughs> when we first got into social media advertising, it was, it was, you could guarantee a pretty immediate result. Mm-hmm. You were like, you know, it's still pretty new. Like running ads on Facebook, you're gonna get 200% return on everything, and and mm-hmm. it was working that way. But now, even just a couple of years later, it's it's not necessarily like that. We're mm-hmm. back to the longer play, totally. you know, and yep. that's and people are getting uncomfortable with that. Yes, <laughs> you know, again. But maybe like, good, I've heard I've heard some anecdotal stories about this as we look at the pendulum shifting and swinging. Mm-hmm. Not that data is going away, but people are understanding that um, that that we're still making decisions not solely based on data, but really on our on kind of our heart and our mind and our sort of like human impulses in that sense and rationalizing yeah. with the data side. And I think there is actually a swing that's going to bring us to a slightly healthier place that allows for more. Um, I, I'd say the truth is quality mm. and, and being mm-hmm. able to, to truly like strategically um, be faithful to the, the origins of a campaign and a story over time yeah. uh, rather than trying to, to, cause we've also seen companies, you talk about people who aren't doing it well. We've definitely engaged quickly where people want to see results really fast and they actually their own internal churn um, creates and, and turnover in people and roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities means that suddenly you've got a brand manager or you've got a person who's in a role who's not there in 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's because they're moving on to the next thing, but you, you can't keep a consistency. You can't actually communicate with someone over time and nurture that if you're, if you're shifting and moving constantly. Well, it so, goes in full circle, right? Because yeah. what you're saying is, if I understand it correctly, what you're saying is you're building, you know, a lot of those brands that are struggling with what you're talking about, the churn rate of mm-hmm. their employees and all of everything always changing uh, if if they take a step back and they invest in that 
inside out style mm-hmm. of marketing, I, I think it ultimately might maybe not fix it, mm-hmm. but I definitely think that it makes it easier for them to make decisions for that long play mm-hmm. because it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. then about the, per, it's not about the per se, the person that's in the role. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in it's in its entirety the company in its entirety this is what we stand for this is what we believe and Mm -hmm. this is what we're doing and we're putting out this content we're doing these things Mm -hmm. um do you find do you find that maybe with that turnover that it's harder to create a manifesto in a sense like you know because people have an effect on that so Mm -hmm. let's say for instance manifesto is hired to do a campaign Mm -hmm. and the person running that maybe it's a 12-month campaign Mm -hmm. the person running that campaign has gone halfway through it and somebody new comes in and they're like well i don't know if i believe in this campaign yeah and even if they don't stop it that if they don't believe in it it's probably not going to do well you're not going to get the you know the time and attention or resources Mm -hmm. that you need to see it all the way through to the end right and then that in turn could end up reflecting poorly on manifesto, right? Sure, right so it's like right. this weird, vicious cycle. But yeah. do you find that it's harder or or better because the flip side of it is that people hiring these positions mm-hmm. can use a manifesto to find the right people? Yeah. Right? What are well, your thoughts I do on think that? there's there's probably <clears throat> some delineation between the idea. And a lot, of, a lot of the work we do actually involves other groups like human resources as mm-hmm. well as, you know, the CMO, um, because it is, it's, and, and this is all new territory, right? Because like yeah. brands really haven't historically had to think of themselves as their their people who work for them being an, a manifestation of the brand. But yeah. we know by behavior, like you can have a CEO who's ousted instantly if he didn't adhere to company policy, mm-hmm. and suddenly you know your brand takes a hit. So does your, you know, so does your um, your stock, right? Oh, all yeah. of those yeah. things we've yeah. seen that happen with huge global brands. So the transparency is there. But I think the part delineation, too, is around the idea of a campaign, which might be against a, you know, a product or something like that, and something that's going to be more lasting over time. And usually what we're hinging, you know, while we're doing campaign work for sure and launching brands, a lot of it, and we, and we use the manifesto sometimes is even, like Amazon Prime is a great example of one. We, 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 they, Amazon approached us and said, can you guys write the manifesto for Amazon Prime? We've grown to, like, what's our heart and soul? We've grown mm-hmm. really fast. And that was just a project to help them kind of solidify that. In other cases, um, and that's framed behavior over time. In other cases, whether it's Starbucks or whether it's um, another organization, they're going to use that as the framework to actually have a strategic initiative that lasts years, possibly. Whether it's their their point of view towards social impact or whether it's um, maybe going to guide their, their employees' actions or even for Intel, wrote the Intel Employee Manifesto that, that, that then became an anthem and really has become almost five years of successive work in iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, but the business has changed too, so that's yeah. had to adapt and yeah. know, take on different, you know. Okay, so this is a question then too, because do you find, okay, when, you, when you're walking into an organization and you're, you're tasked to, to build this anthem, in your experience, is, the, is it harder I'm trying to think of the best way to say this because like because it's people based and you're going into these organizations do you find it that it's really hard for some agent organizations to find that because it's they've been so product focused or so mm-hmm. service focused that it's not actually have it doesn't actually have anything to do with their persona like that mm-hmm. who they are yeah. as a you know as a human mm-hmm. and it's so different it's so drastically different like how do you how do companies how do you f- combat that because mm-hmm. i can f- i could totally see co- some companies like you walk in and it's not at all what you expected mm-hmm. they have this very weird facade of 
who they are behind closed doors versus what they're presenting to the public. Mm-hmm. And I could totally see where there's like this really weird, like leadership knocking heads and all of this, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it could be really tough mm-hmm. from a, your perspective yeah. in trying to, I don't even know, like, do you mend both of them together and somehow create this thing that yeah. is them? Yeah. I don't know. I think, well, you know, and, and that too goes back to that brand versus like, you know, big sort of organizational level. And I, I think um, the brands that are engaging with us, sometimes they've already figured that out. They, they're like, we need, mm. it's not about the product at some point, or we have so many products, we're actually part of a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Sam Adams is a good example of that one where we work with them for multiple years. But our work began with looking at kind of like their their CSR platform, their kind of corporate social responsibility and how they engage people. And then kind of moved over into saying, well, you know, these these brands kind of need to, to turn, Sam Adams needs to stand for something. How do you make it cool to, to bring that um, yeah. to a party? What's its anthemic, what's our rally cry for this brand that may impact our advertising, that may impact the way we think about it, that may impact our our packaging? So I, I, I think that, Again, the, the doorway, the entry point to these things probably does happen more at the brand level, but it can certainly click down or move across to a product that someone has that mm-hmm. they feel like has been sitting on the shelf without meaning. And whether it's an angry orchard, you know, as an example, um, or launching rosé, that it may be more about, you know, the, to, to, a, to a Kentucky Derby audience, right? Sure, and yeah. and, and the, this idea of a, like unhinging kind of the belief system behind that certainly can, can translate. But I, I do think that we've, We'll say for as many times as we've encountered the the difficulty of, of translating those things, most of the time there's a prep, there's a poise that an organization's like we need they're, this they're, at some level. Yeah, yeah, I mean if they're engaging you at the, that point, they've already come to the realization that they yeah. need something, yeah. like something's off or something. They need to create something because it's just kind of all over the mm-hmm. board or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, you in our pre-interview thing, you sent over a thing. I, I want to touch on it's the rally cry because we keep talking mm-hmm. about that and five reasons why you need a manifesto is what you wrote. Mm-hmm. I want to know like what, I mean, I mean, even for Isley, like mm-hmm. why do we, why do we need a manifesto? <laughs> we don't need a manifesto. <laughs> we don't need no stinking manifesto. Yeah, that's right. Why are you even here? Get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm personally passionate about in my, if you almost look at my micro area of study where I've chosen to have some individual expertise around and even a platform and uh, you know, writing that, that white paper rally cry was, be, it, for me, it's driven by a belief that basically that brands are nothing more really than a, than a group of people bound together by a set of beliefs because those beliefs impact mm-hmm. their behavior, their design sensibility, what they do, what they do next. Mm-hmm. Um, good. So with that hypothesis, that also means that the humans who are employed within, who are in a brand structure, really matter. They are the arms oh. and legs, the hands and feet of that brand, the voice, um, and so even the ambassadorship of it in some way. So the idea of the rally cry came from we've had the opportunity to, to ride shotgun, to sit you know, and, and counsel some of the biggest brands in the world, many of the biggest brands in the world in this capacity. And what we've seen is recurring challenges over time. Different organization, same issues, same mm-hmm. challenges. And so that helped us to understand like, hey, there is, there's a need, a greater need for information regarding um, what it looks like to take this, this thing in culture that people know, oh yeah, we need to write, a, of course we need a manifesto, we need some values, we need these things, but actually turn that into something that can work and mobilize an organization mm-hmm. and truly signal change. 
Um, and so it, it sort of scraped together. Well, the reason why I wrote it was it scraped together the best practices that we've seen over time, the conviction that I bring to the table, um, and even what I mentioned, those brands that are being toppled, the huge ones that, that, that we think will be around for another 100 years, yeah. that suddenly a purple mattress is you know, you know, toppling instantaneously. Mm, yeah. It's with that orientation to say this is a business imperative, not just a nice to have. It's yeah. a need to have. Yeah, um, interesting. And and of course, when you've got a global audience of you know, you might have a hundred thousand employees across the world, or five thousand people working decentralized, mm-hmm. working from home offices. Yeah. How do we feel? How do we feel drawn up into be something greater than ourselves? Mm. And, and that's what people are craving. We want to be part of something greater than ourselves. Yeah. And um, and so. Scratching at that was was what this white paper attempted to do, and it's it's gotten a fair amount of attention um, from from brands, and even got a call from the army at one point who was working on a culture change initiative. That's awesome. That's very cool. We should definitely post a link to it or wherever wherever you cool. have yeah, it. We'll yeah. have to do that because I I you know we I, we're going through the process right now. Like we when we first started, we went through we read a book together and we did a couple of things, and I think like we talked about things have transitioned so much. We've pivoted so much from when we first mm-hmm. started. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard to look at, you know, what we had previously, uh, and to what we have now. And it, cause it's just so different mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not the same. Uh, the other part that we can, uh, accredit that to is, you know, we've learned a lot. <laughs> like yeah. I've learned a ton, yeah. you know, in the yeah. five years that we've been doing this. And it, I was telling Christian after our, our last recording, like, I finally feel like we're at a point where we can actually intelligently speak about this part of the world mm-hmm. and this part of business because yeah. it's we've been doing it for a while and albeit we haven't been doing it a hundred years, but we've learned a ton. Yeah. So it's been it's been interesting because even us as an organization, mm-hmm. I don't do we I don't do we have a rally cry? Not, I mean, that's it's though? it's evolving. Somebody, you know, we look. Yeah. <laughs> well, we look back. We just look back at our um, original like notes, and we saved all our pages because you know we started with four partners, and all four of us wrote down our perspectives on mm-hmm. everything we were reading and going through, and um, and some of some of the things were very different. Some of it was similar, um, but it was just funny to go back mm-hmm. and look at it. So some of those things I don't think have changed in our nature. Like mm-hmm. this is what we desire, mm-hmm. but what we actually do is, is mm-hmm. a little, is a lot different. And so now we're going through that. OJ and I have been going through that, um, a couple books recently to get through it, but we recognize mm-hmm. the importance of it because, you know, we've been bringing people in and all sorts of stuff. And it's like how, you know, right now, we have a culture that's created by kind of just personality, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than this is, this is who we are. You Mm -hmm. can look at it, read it, and this is what we're doing. Right. So no, I would say we don't have our own, our own manifesto and rally cry just yet. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like it drive, I feel like it adds a whole different dynamic. Yeah. You know, as much like we're in it, like we we own we own the business so we we're in it we know like we have to be do something every day to make mm-hmm. sure that this thing continues to grow but i feel like it's like our outward expression of like who we are yeah yep. and that's like one thing we talk about all the time like i it, we joke about it but like for instance like my dad like <laughs> he doesn't have any idea what we actually do or didn't <laughs> for a very long time and it was just kind of comical because it's to us it's like well, yeah, we, I know exactly what we do, mm-hmm. but maybe it's that outward expression of like, mm-hmm. how make, do we portray it? Yeah. yeah. Which I think yep. is the same 
and that's and it's funny because that you say that because I was thinking about that. That's kind of the problem that we've we've been trying to solve with our clients mm-hmm. is okay. Maybe they have a manifesto. How do people know about it? Right. You know, yes. what's the next step? Like, mm-hmm. what where do we go from there? Yeah. Right. And you know, for us, it's it's creating that. I mean, the podcast has been a huge part, mm-hmm. and and it comes from our focus on the importance of putting things out and getting things out on a regular basis. And that's why we started the podcast. It was yeah. just for us to create content. Mm-hmm. It, it really was, you know, here we're learning. We're new. Like when we first started, it was, we're new to all this. Mm-hmm. We're learning and we're going to share what we're learning. And mm-hmm. it, it's really still like that. We're like, we're constantly learning and now having guests on every episode has been super cool because we're learning from a lot of different perspectives, mm-hmm. from agencies, from creatives, from, we had a headhunter on and, mm-hmm. you know, just all different um, perspectives. And, and it gives us the opportunity to say, you know, we're still, we're still doing this. We're creating this content because we want people to know us. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we have a manifesto, that'll be a lot easier to portray in other ways. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, at least it, it gives people the opportunity to see who we are and what we care about and mm-hmm. why we do what mm-hmm. we do, yeah. you know. So it's, it's yeah. the same thing. We're just doing it on a, yeah. on a level like this. <laughs> I think for you guys too, and just a couple of thoughts on that. I think one of the thoughts about framing up, if you're even considering about your own sort of manifesto and saying, is this an, you know, an area of, of white space we need to fill in some ways is maybe not even linking it to what you do, but why you do it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a good litmus test uh, to look at kind of a manifesto. Again, if we look at just the artifact itself of saying, does this rally cry declaration, could we pivot into a slightly different business and, and would it still serve us in the sure. same way yeah. that, that we know that, um, the Declaration of Independence doesn't necessarily change because we have amendments to the Constitution. Mm. Um, and again, those things might be vastly different things. I'm stepping out into a world that, that no, probably yeah, no. I don't know as well. But I'm but I guess I'm bringing the point to say um, I think it's more about going back to Simon Sinek about your why and why mm. you do what you do, and and then having people drawn to you as a beacon around that. And so yeah. I think about for you guys, like even this podcast, as a way of getting curious and being curious and creating something and knowing that at the heart of curiosity. Um, you know, comes part and parcel with connection and connection is literally yeah. the, the impetus of all creative, yep. you know, seeing yep. connections where other people don't and, and, mm-hmm. and um, bridging them together. So yeah. I think your lexicon is increasing, your wisdom is increasing and certainly like the, the, w- the engagement with the world and you know, as a whole is also increasing. So it's, it's an awesome thing to, to be able to, I'm sure to have guests on all the time. I'm jealous. It's yeah. fun. Well, and Christian <laughs> said it earlier too, like we were talking earlier, um, the podcast has allowed us to take a lot of different areas, but it's interesting that we keep coming back to some of the same conversations. It's that human to human connection, mm-hmm. like even with a headhunter, a, you know, uh, and uh, a LinkedIn influencer, an Instagram influencer, an agency owner. We've had two agency owners on with us. Like you, we all literally have all touched on the same exact thing of that yeah. human connection. And I think this is, uh, this is exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. the conversation. We don't have to, I don't think it's expected for us to be the experts in every single thing that we talk about. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so of us just being like, Hey, we're putting this out there. I might sound like a babbling idiot some of the times, but mm-hmm. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're learning. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it, again, humanizes everything. It simplifies mm-hmm. everything. And, and I think part of the reason why we started this initially is because marketing always seems like this mystical creature in the yes. sky. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, it's smoke and mirrors and this and that, and people don't understand it. Even listening to some of the, um, you know, the most influential marketers out there, you're like, okay, I get it, but 
like what do I do? Right. <laughs> you know? yes. Like, yes. What's the next step or what, yeah. why am I doing this? Or, you know, and, and, and it comes back to marketing is it's really boils down to understanding human nature mm-hmm. and you're never going to fully understand that yeah. everybody's different. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks differently. And sure you have groups of people that think s- on a similar level, but you have to communicate with people. And, and, and that's a, I think brands are recognizing that now is, is almost individual, starting to individualize their process and, and personalize things in a way because people need it. Yeah. We, I, that's why it keeps coming up. People need that human connection yeah. and they want it, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we're lacking it in a lot of areas. Yes. And that goes back to, I mean, like we, I listened to a ton of Gary Vee and a lot of these yep. other guys, like it goes back to there's their whole like thing, like creating content just put it out there because yep. somebody somebody is going to relate to what you're going through at that moment you're going to speak to that person mm-hmm. whether you know it or not they could never ever say anything to you on your social channel but you could be impacting somebody's life for good you know if you just take the time to do it like just yeah. put it out there put yeah. the content out there do it on a regular basis and that i mean that's obviously mm-hmm. that goes to what yeah you brought up a really interesting point, and this is kind of how the way we've kind of wrapped everything up that we've been talking to with all our guests. But um, again, I'm going to put you on the spot. Like practical things. Mm-hmm. What can we take away from this? Like how do we, if we work in an organization, if we work for an organization, if we're starting an organization, how do we practically do the manifesto, the rally cry? Mm-hmm. Like how do we create that? Or what? what's some ways that we can implement that into our yeah yeah well i mean the first one i think is making sure that everybody's aligned and so like that doesn't mean that it has to be complete uh that the complete everyone's completely unanimous but it simply means disagree and commit and basically saying it's it's in, it's in that commitment of whatever it is that you ratify together that's a word that intel introduced to us and we use it all the time ratify because mm-hmm. they have so many key stakeholders they need to move forward and say we walk through this door together so mm-hmm. the ability to, to to not just open a door but say everyone's filing through it we're closing it behind us and we've agreed upon this is the only way to go forward um, and that also means not leaving anybody behind or the idea that we're bringing everyone together. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to actually taking your manifesto, I think anybody can write a manifesto, but it's, uh, um, but it goes beyond that and saying, how do we turn this into something that's truly actionable? And that comes mm-hmm. down to, you know, campaigning program, programmatic work inside of the, uh, inside of the organization, culture change initiatives, mm-hmm. things that truly take time. Um, I was even sitting with a team recently and they're, they're doing some amazing things. They're, they're a company, a really fast-growing company out of Columbia, Missouri, um, that's focused, you know, solely on veterans, and they're doing book clubs. And mm. you know, like we're taking everybody in the organization. They've actually organized their entire company around the and said, "Hey, there's something we can learn from small groups at church. We're going to do that here at, at oh, work." Oh, that's good. And we're sending everybody in a small group. They may come kicking and screaming, but we're going to get them involved in a in a group where they're known and they have a voice, and, and we're going to do life together. Mm. Uh, it's that's not spiritual, good. but I, but yeah. I think that that's a really like that's powerful. Yeah, that so, is. Um, I love that. Yeah, those are just some practical things. And I think also, I'll leave with this too, just being able to declare those beliefs will mean a beacon for you. And and also, mm-hmm. not we're not all meant to work with everybody, right? There are people are can be drawn to manifesto. There are other people who are like, hey, you're not for us. You don't think the same way. Yeah. So yeah. We, we actually want to invite in people who who believe like we believe. And we're probably going to repel some people who, who don't believe as we believe. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's okay. Yep. And I think that's the cool part. So just being able to, to know that you're not for everybody. If your strategy is for everybody, good luck. Like you need to figure out who your target is. Uh, also who your people are, what their beliefs and values are. Mm-hmm. Rally it together. And then 
let you know let let some people spit you out of their mouth because yeah. you know yeah. don't be you know it's that it's that hot or cold you know don't be lukewarm yeah <laughs> that's good yeah. oh that's awesome yeah. I re- that was great i really appreciate that um well it's been awesome yeah, to have you here so. yeah thanks everybody for joining us on the be original podcast it was awesome to have tim on with us be sure you to like comment share do all that stuff on every platform ring that bell make sure you get notified when new episodes come out thank you so much we will talk to you soon peace Thanks again for checking out Be Original with Isley Creative. We hope that this helps you put a little more you in your marketing. Catch a new episode every week right here on the Be Original podcast.